hand. So now we're going to just just uh, banter. Banter. <laughs> You're going to continue. Banter. <laughs> banter. <laughs> My name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the weekly economics podcast brought to you by the New Economics Foundation. Excellent news listeners, we have another super special guest this week. It's Yuan Yang, who's co-founder of Rethinking Economics. That's a network of students in universities across the world who are campaigning for a better economics education. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the... Anyone? Anyone? First of all, the three things are first. The essential thing about economy in principle. Secondly, the second thing about economy, which is twofold. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? It did not work, and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? listeners um you won't be able to tell uh, but Yuan is uh, dressed up more than usual uh, not just for us in fact not for us at all she's been to meet our university minister joe johnson yes brother of boris uh, to talk about her campaign Yuan, thanks so much for taking the time out for the little people today welcome <laughs> it's great to be here so Juan, tell us what um, Rethinking Economics is all about. So we're a network of student groups in universities across the world, and we're working together to campaign for a better economics education, starting with the university curricula. Okay, and so you set this up as a student at LSE. What kind of sparked the idea? Well, to be honest, when I got to the LSE Department of Economics to do my master's, I was already quite disillusioned with economics as a discipline. I'd done it for three years in my undergrad. Um, Going into the LSE, I realised that actually a lot of people who were there for their master's weren't there because they believed that the discipline was doing good things in terms of teaching them the right skills they'd need to really understand what's going on outside in the real economy. In fact, many of us were there just to get the qualification necessary to become an economist and get the label to say, yes, official economist. And in fact, even our lecturers would often make jokes or comments about the course that we were teaching at the LSE. And at one of these lectures, I just remember thinking, wow, like this is one of the most impressive macroeconomists in the world. And he's fed up with the syllabus here. So if he can't change it, who can change it? And maybe there's a big systemic problem about how we teach economics in universities across the world, not just these two departments I've been in. Um, So it's really seeing how economics as a discipline failed us as educators and as students. That led me to want to make some change. So um, what do most people learn when they study economics at university? And is it the same if you're looking across the world? If you go to the top departments in, say, Beijing versus the top departments in the US, the top departments in London, um, you get taught a very narrow course. And the narrow course is oriented around one frame of understanding the world called neoclassical economics, or um, as in a kind of a new mathematical version of classical economics. And this is one set of tools for analysing economies, tools which are quite helpful in themselves, but which are quite restrictive. So the problem then is if you have, if you're thrown out into the real world and, and told, okay, why don't you form some policy for this government or like write some analysis for this consultancy and all you have is a hammer, then pretty much everything looks like a nail and you don't have a really diverse toolkit of different angles, different things you can use on different situations. And that really narrows down students' perceptions of what they can do with economics. Okay, so what is it that they aren't learning? Well, there are three things that we don't learn right now. Firstly, we, we don't learn anything about 
the real economy. Now, this might shock you, but if you're the average person who just picks up a copy of a newspaper every morning and reads the economics headlines, you probably know more about what's going on you know, in the world outside than the average economic student. That's because economic students don't learn any economic history. They don't learn any economic current events. And we don't even know simple things like the size of different economies and who's, you know, who are the big players in world trade and so on. So the first thing we really don't learn about in an economics degree is the economy. That's pretty important. The second thing we don't learn about is methodologies outside of the very narrow set of mathematical tools that we get given. We don't even get given a, a wide range of economic of mathematical tools. So we get given basically 18th century mathematics, nothing more recent than that, no kind of coding, no nothing that really uses computational um, power. We don't use methods that are to do with talking to people. So in other disciplines like sociology or political science or anthropology, experts tend to be very good at doing their research on the ground, asking people how their lives are going. Now, the economy is fundamentally made up of people interacting and we don't talk to people. The third thing that we don't do is learn reflectively about the values and ideologies implicit in economics. And that's a real shame because actually economics stemmed from moral philosophy and is a very value-laden subject. So we need to be more reflective about what we're doing when we do economics. That sounds like a blooming breeze if they're not learning anything in these economics <laughs> courses. What do you say to somebody who reckons that rethinking economics is just a Marxist grouping and you just want to, you know, you want to end capitalism and bring down society <laughs> as it is? Well, firstly, we don't advocate for any particular school of economics to replace neoclassicism. So we don't just want to like redig the trenches somewhere else. We actually want to open up the whole tent and invite more schools of thought in and have actual debate in economics. So we are for pluralism, by which we mean a diversity of schools of thought, because we think that critical debate is the best thing for sharpening young people's minds and for getting us to decide what we actually think about the world outside. You know, if you're just taught one point of view, you can't really say, yeah, I really believe this, because it's the only thing that you know. And the second thing I would say is that when it comes to the intersection of politics and economics, it's much more dangerous to have only one school of thought with its own implicit values, so specifically quite utilitarian values, impressed on students than it is to have a range of different schools with different values impressed on students so students can actually challenge each other. In politics, if you were just taught that communism is the way forward, that would not be the right way of teaching students to be critical about the world, right? You'd have to give them a variety of different political systems. Now, in economics, we were only taught one way of looking at the world, and that is very dangerous. So, um, but surely, I, I guess, um, you know, obviously the London School of Economics is um, one of the most uh, well-renowned schools around the world. If if economics courses weren't teaching people the right stuff, surely these are businesses and they just go mm. out of business. Well, it's a funny argument because actually the marketplace of ideas works very badly in economics. What you've seen in economics in the last 30 years is this monopoly of neoclassical economics coming to dominate the whole field. And people who have slightly different views or slightly different takes on the economy, from Hajun Chang to Steve Keen, who are very prominent economists in their own right, get pushed out into the margins. Now, now that's not fair competition, right? That's the behaviour of a monopoly who shuts down people who have slightly different views to you or a slightly different product in economic terms to you. And universities are very bad at creating a diversity of points of view that creates the kind of competition that then would you know, make more, bring more rigour to economics. And I think part of the reason for that is that there's, at the very top of academia, you get this kind of echo chamber of people who have grown up in the ivory towers, um, spend their PhD lives arguing with people who have very similar views to them, and they spend their careers doing exactly the same thing. And at the top of the academic profession, you just get these people who kind of just like float off into, you know, nothing land, because they've been trained to carry out the same research over decades. 
And those are the same people who have a clear interest against the economics profession changing and being opened up to debate. Okay, so, um, I mean, this sounds sounds like a, a pretty uh, exciting issue, a monopoly on ideas. How has the campaign been going so far? So you said it's global. What mm. kind of successes have you seen and, and what kind of difficulties have you found? Mm. Some of the best successes we've had are simply the existence of groups that we've set up in departments and universities that previously had no realm for this kind of debate. So Beijing Normal University was a, has a really great community of people rethinking economics and getting together and studying alternative materials outside of their course time in a country where student groups are generally not very anti-system. Um, and in the UK, we've had some great uptake in universities such as Greenwich University and Kingston. Um, recently, Greenwich University transformed its whole curriculum and brought on the critical points of view that we were advocating for. So a more understanding of the history of ideas and more understanding of economic history. So both like a rootedness in the real world in terms of what's happened in history and also rootedness in this kind of debate of different ideas that have come before us and which are very valid and should be considered now. I think in the universities further up the tier, like Oxford, Cambridge and LSE and so on, sometimes in universities there are negotiations between departments and students that aren't quite public. That's also very promising. But on the whole, you can see in the very top institutions there are a lot of people whose whole academic interest is stacked against change because they want to continue the system as it is. It's working pretty well for them. And that's the biggest danger that we face. Okay, so um, art or science? I've asked James Meadway, our regular <laughs> commentator, about this before. Um, would I guess some economists would, would like to have us believe it's a, it's a pure science. What do you think? It's interesting. The first time I started questioning economics as a discipline, I was in my first year as an undergraduate. And I went to my, um, my personal tutor, who's meant to like, give you life advice and that kind of thing. And he's a microeconomics tutor um, at Oxford. And I said... Look, if everyone wants economics to be d descriptive and then also predictive, like physics, but we're not doing it very well, are we? I mean, this is 2008 when I was doing my undergraduate first year. So I was like, we're not doing a very good job of this whole prediction thing. Wow. What can economics do now? And, and my tutor looked at me and just said, well, Yuan, have you considered that economics might be more like poetry or like history than like physics? And I just thought, wow, that comment literally blew my mind. And what he was getting at is that in economics, because we have been so impoverished in not paying attention to the history of ideas or the, or the economic history of our society, we haven't realised that there are different ways of looking at economics than just a predictive science of saying, oh, tomorrow it's going to go up, next day it's going to go down. Histor historians very rarely do that kind of predictive work. And that's because they spend a lot of their time interpreting what's happened before and learning from those interpretations. And similarly, I think what he was getting at with the analogy to poetry is that in literature, you can read a poem or a story and you take something from it and you reflect on it and you learn something about the world around you. So prediction isn't the only thing we want from a social science. We also want explanation. And that's why I think economics as a social science has elements of science, has element of art. And I think the balance really depends on the issue. If we know a lot about a small thing, maybe we can be very scientific and predictive about it. But a lot of the world, as we've seen in the last six years, we don't know very much about. Okay, so you have a, a conference coming up at the weekend. Uh, do you want to just tell us a few things, that, key things that are going to be discussed there and um, tell people how they can get involved? Yeah, so the conference this weekend um, is running all day Saturday and Sunday at the University of Greenwich in South London. And the 
aim of the conference is really to introduce economics to as broad a range of people as possible. So we've got four different streams of talks and workshops and classes going on, and it's not going to be lecture format. Most of it is going to be broken down into one-on-one conversations sometimes or a workshop where you can get involved. Um, And it's meant to be at a level for people who haven't um, studied economics all the way up to people who are currently studying economics. Okay, so um, I have a final burning question. It's actually just a personal one for me. Is it is it economics or is it economics? <laughs> oh my god, you've once again blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, as I'm, I'm going to leave on a high. <laughs> um, thank you, Yuan, so much for taking the time out to chat to us. Best of luck with the, the conference and um, best of luck with changing the bloody world. Thank you. <laughs> The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org. We'll be back at the same time next week. <laughs>